0: Hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another Monday night edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my two gentlemen co-hosts, Xavier Sanchez and Danny Miller. How you guys doing?
1: Doing pretty well. How awesome. Watch yourself.
0: Can't complain. Um, you know, things are pretty good. Uh, last week was not so bueno. Um on thursday i spent uh the majority of the afternoon in the hospital so that was cool um yeah yeah that was Good pretty time. pretty great uh ended up with a uh some sort of uh abdomen infection so that was killer um yeah <laughs> so that was rad yeah so uh i am um alive and i'm here and uh things are all right uh i can't complain too much um how's your guys week
1: uh pretty uneventful other than uh feeling like i'm getting dragged at work a little bit but uh you know other than that uh you know pretty much more of the same just trying to keep an eye on uh, the white Sox offseason so far and we're gonna have plenty to talk about
2: there i'm sure xavier how was your week you know, much of the same, just some work and relaxing. I did buy a box of baseball cards this week, Ooh, just nice. pass the time.
0: Well, that's awesome. Um, so, we had some news this week. Um, news I guess we'll start. Week, uh, uh, we'll start with the. Uh, sorry about that. We'll start with the positive news. Um, we have a gold glove winner in Dallas Keuchel. Yay! So, uh, that's good. Uh, we have he did a... something, right? Yeah, exactly. He did, uh, he did do something well. Um, his pitching left a little bit to be desired, uh, towards, uh, I don't know, the last two thirds of the season, but he did win a gold glove. Um, and today we found out that Lance Lynn is a finalist for the Cy Young, um, I don't feel very confident about that, but I'm assuming that there will probably be like a top five finish.
1: Um, ish. Um I'm I mean I'll like it. You know, only one guy wins the uh the Cy Young every year in each league. Uh if you can get a top five finish, uh I'd say that's uh nothing to be unhappy about, for sure.
0: Yeah. I would tend to agree with that. I'm kind of, you know, I think we've had this conversation before. I'm pretty much uh of the idea that I think that uh Robbie Ray's probably going to end up uh walking away with that. Um I don't think uh I don't think Verlander or uh, not Verlander. Um I don't think Cole did enough this year no. to uh warrant getting that award. Um so I'm kind of leaning towards uh Robbie Ray. Um What do you guys think? Thinking that's probably about right.
1: Yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, You know, I don't even know that he's really got any real competition. To be completely honest with you, I think it's it's pretty much cut and dry, unless we see the uh, you know the popularity contest come back again, in which case uh, you know it will be Cole. But uh, you know, uh, if if that happens, you know, I'm just gonna announce the whole damn thing
2: yeah i agree if if it is a popularity contest it's gonna go to yankee but uh i think robbie ray is gonna take it just because i think he when he did have his bad starts he didn't get rocked as bad as lynn and cole did this year because when those two guys lost they lost bad it was five to eight runs not making it past three or four innings and there was a few and it was scattered throughout the season too. Uh Robbie Ray pretty much stayed hot from the get-go when he started to get hot come May or June or whatever it was.
0: Yeah, I'm, I I'm on board with that. Uh I know I remember seeing uh Garrett Cole give up like uh, eight or 10 runs in one of his uh last starts of the month, uh, you know, of the last month. And, uh, I think it happened a couple other times during the year that I can remember as well. Same thing. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, if he wins, I will be, uh, befuddled and, uh, a little bit aggravated with the whole, uh, the whole thing, but, uh, I, I don't, I do not foresee it happening. I'm pretty sure that, uh, Ray's going to win it. Um,
2: I'm, a, I'm a little salty. Uh, this year I played fantasy uh, baseball, and I had Robbie Ray, and I picked him because I had him in previous years. I was like, oh, this guy's going to strike out a lot of guys, but I'm going to have to worry about him walking a lot of guys. And that's how the season started. And come, like, May, I was kind of desperate, and I had dropped him right before he got good, and then a guy snagged him, and that guy had the steel pickup of the air, and or my team just wrapped the bed. Yeah, yeah that'll happen. I need reactions. You yeah, know.
0: <laughs> it's a marathon, not a sprint, as they say.
2: There you go. Actually, baseball season. Oof, that's a tough yeah. one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just I, I, I will be honest. Like I, I've done a couple of leagues, and I did uh, for the last two years. I've done fantasy baseball, but the years before that. Um, I want to say that I didn't make it through an entire season and I tried like three different times and uh, didn't make it. But these last two years, I'm pretty sure that I've maintained and done pretty well about setting lineups. Although uh, sometimes that uh, what time to set my lineups for when it's a full week long uh, versus uh, one-on-one. I did forget uh, last year a couple of times to set it before the Monday timeline kicked over for the beginning of the Monday game. But yeah, that's, that's just a long arduous season. It's like fantasy football, you know, doing 16 weeks and now this, this year's 17, um, (sighs) fantasy football for me, uh, I have a hate, hate relationship with it at this point. Um, It's kind of one of those things where, you know, I, I for whatever reason, um, if I get somebody, if if I get a top pick, for the most part, they're going to get injured or miss significant amount of time during the year. And uh, nobody else on my team decides to do anything. Like, I, I don't remember how many, I didn't even look to see how many points I scored this week, but I looked in the, uh, after the first game and in like, uh, I don't know, 15 minutes into the second game of Sunday And I think I had like 57 points with like a couple guys left to play. And I was just like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) So what's, uh, what's going on over there? I assume that you're uh, watching the, the bears.
1: Ah, yeah. I gotta be honest with you guys. I am definitely paying attention to you. I have the game on mute, but, uh, as you'll see me looking away from the monitor here, I am indeed watching the bears game. Uh, and, uh, you know, Justin Fields just threw a nice touchdown pass. That's going to get negated by a, personal foul penalty so (laughs) yay uh more penalties by Uh, a bad team yeah you know there's that uh but uh you know just to uh speak really quickly towards uh you know we were talking about let's you know first go back to a fantasy baseball and uh as you all know we uh we took part in an in-house uh white Sox daily uh fantasy baseball season this year and uh I gotta say, you know, when you talk about forgetting to set lineups, I think I did that for probably the first month and a half of the season. And uh, yeah, once I saw how poorly my team was doing, I tried to do it as much as possible after that, but really kind of just gave up because I was so far behind in the standings. that uh, it was uh, it was poop. Yeah, that you know, it fantasy baseball is
0: tough, man. <laughs> uh, you know, like just uh, just keeping up with it all. And uh remembering to set the lineups on time for every week. I mean, it's kinda of one of those things where if you don't get on a schedule right away and you forget, yeah, you're you're done for the week. There's not really a whole lot you can do. Especially if somebody like uh oh I don't know, my first round draft pick in all three leagues, Fernando Tatis Jr. gets injured for you know a month at yeah, a time, a, a couple times time, yeah, a couple times during the season. That was that was brutal. But uh yeah. So uh, let's uh, keep moving on this uh, on the White Sox stuff. Um, so yesterday, uh, it came out that the White Sox were not going to extend a qualifying offer to one Carlos Rodon. Um, mm-hmm. The I believe the qualifying offer this year was eighteen point four, if I'm correct. Uh, it's somewhere between eighteen point two and eighteen point four. But I eighteen
1: point four is the number.
0: Yeah, they do not extend the qualifying offer, and therefore, uh, Los is now a free agent. Um, I've heard many things. You know, many, many reasons. Most, most likely reason, and uh, the thing that I've heard the most is that uh, the White Sox know something about his health. And about his shoulder in the late part of the season, that is the factor in them not wanting to throw the qualifying offer on him. Um, Los has repeatedly denied that there's anything physically, uh, physiologically wrong with him. Uh, so the White Sox starting rotation is now Gelito, Lynn, Cease, and assuming that uh, Dallas Keuchel comes back, which I'm assuming is going to happen, uh, those are your four starters, and you are looking for a fifth. And they are looking to replace... I mean, granted, you only got 130 innings out of him or 132 innings or whatever it is that he threw this year, Uh, and then he got sore towards the, the last month and a half of the season. Um, but you're looking at borderline Cy Young material out there. And uh that's going to be a tall order to replace. What says you?
1: Oh well, first let's talk about let's just let's back the, the train up here a little bit with uh the reasons for not uh extending Carlos Rodon a qualifying offer uh and you kind of hit on the uh the one that seems to be out there the most uh, it, is that you know there's something either physically or mentally wrong with him. Uh I honestly I am not sure I buy that right now. Uh we did see Carlos miss a little bit of I'm sorry. Yeah, Carlos. We, we miss Carlos miss a little bit of time leading up to the playoffs uh or in the playoffs and then he finally got his chance to uh start uh the last game of the season there and uh the thing was, was you know his velocity was down for you know a while before they uh shut him down for a little bit they bring him back and he comes out absolutely blazing the first you know inning or two of that game uh throwing with 98 99 uh i'm not sure i buy that there's anything you know actually wrong with the arm uh then again i don't really know is it possible that he tried to overextend himself during that game and did damage in that game I, there's 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 a chance that that might be happening but uh my thought is is that you know being that the qualifying offer is in fact uh set at 18.4 million dollars that i think the white Sox didn't feel like he deserves 18.4 million dollars next season and we're going to extend them that kind of money because uh he might have taken it. And you know, the White Sox we've talked about this in in streams and pods past. The White Sox uh had don't have a particularly large amount of money left before hitting that first threshold of the com- uh competitive balance tax agreement. So, um yeah, I think it's probably more of a money thing than it is a health thing for carlos that's just my thought uh and you know who knows maybe they make him an offer for slightly less money and maybe give him another year or two on top of you know a one-year uh deal i don't really know but uh trying to fill that uh that that last spot could get a little tricky you know we talked about guys like uh, michael kopech and Garrett crochet you know making their the jump into the uh, starting rotation and you know again one of these things that we've been talking about for a while here on the stream is that neither one of those guys really had the opportunity to get properly stretched out like we had heard about over and over and over again this was supposed to be the season to get these guys ready to jump into the rotation and when you're only throwing 55 60 innings a season uh, I, I don't feel exactly comfortable just penciling one of these guys into the starting rotation, thinking that they can give you 150, 180, you know, 200 innings as a starter next season. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how this whole thing plays out. If, if in fact, maybe they do offer Carlos a, a lower uh, amount of money, maybe longer years type of deal, more years, uh, or if they go out on the free agent market and try to do something else. But I really don't want to see this, you know, let's try to figure out what we've got in the system thing because, you know, as Sox fans, we've been watching that since the beginning of the rebuild. And, uh, you know, that championship type competitive window is not going to stay open for forever. And uh, I really hope that we're not, you know, doing this plug and play, figure things out as we go thing. Cause that's, uh, that's going to be disturbing to me. You have any, uh, any thoughts on that, Xavier?
2: Yeah, I'm going to also say it's a money thing more than a health thing, just because uh, time and time again we see, I would say more decisions are made about saving money than like thinking about health first. At least that's me in recent memory. Um, so I'm going to say it's a money thing. I still see a path of him just somehow showing up. I don't know how it's going to do, but he could easily end up back in Chicago. But One of the things I wanted to bring up here. Uh, we were talking about who, who. What's the starting pitching gonna look like? And this is a major concern for if they're gonna win, because we we're gonna we're struggling for in, guys to eat up innings because the starting pitching rotation as is, I don't think it can hold up a whole season. Um, and also, I don't know if you saw Chuck Garfines post, but I don't think it was the best timing. He put uh, shortly after. Uh, The news broke about them not doing the qualifying offer. Uh, And then I think Ashley Rodon made a tweet. uh, Chuck Garfine tweeted, Rick Hahn said the White Sox want to add Michael Kopech to the rotation next year. That means it's Lynn, Giolito, Cease, Kopech, and Keichel, who's under contract for 2022. Carlos Rodon makes six. If Sox free up a spot, there's room for Rodon. But right now, there isn't. Uh, the thing with that uh, is, we don't know what kind of Keikel's returning next year. And over the years, he's not that Cy Young Keikel that was there, 2015 or 2016. And Kopech, he's probably not going to touch 150 innings next year. It's gonna, he's going to be on some type of innings limit. I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, that's my thinking as well. Is that you've got. Kopech, who threw sixty, roughly around sixty innings, and you've got, or actually, you have got Kopech who, what do you throw, like fifty something innings, and then you have Crochet who threw sixty something innings. Is that that's that, I think that's the way it was.
1: I believe it was fifty five and sixty, if I'm not mistaken. So Real close to that anyway.
0: Okay, so if you are if you've got those two guys, um, going as you saw this year from every other starting pitcher that's not coming back from Tommy John is that they had uh, for the most part like Lance Lynn led the majors last year in innings pitched with like 83 I think in 20 uh, 2020 is 82 or 83 innings pitched and that was in the 60 game season he led the league this year when he came back he struggled to throw 150 uh, got injured missed uh, some Fairly, you know, he had a back early, and then he had the uh, the knee inflammation later on, and uh, that's a guy that is a workhorse and is used to throwing two hundred innings a year, and he struggled to throw one hundred and fifty this one hundred and fifty this year, coming back after throwing eighty last year. So, what do you think that Kopech and Crochet, who have haven't thrown a hundred plus innings, in, you know, Kopech, it's been, like, what, like th- th- uh, three seasons now where he hasn't thrown 100 innings. Uh, he sat out with TJ, and then he had the, uh, the last year he didn't pitch at all. And, uh, and then Crochet came from college and last year pitched in a relief role a- again. Only had, what, three starts in college for Tennessee or something like that last year. Um, so you're telling me, that you're going to have those guys throwing significant innings next year. Um, I personally just don't see it. I don't see that. And you know, I'm not even talking about performance levels, which we saw both of those guys struggle pretty handily in the second half of the season this year. Um, you know, after Kopeck came back from his uh his knee or hamstring or whatever it was that uh that weird, you know, twisty yeah, thing that he did. Yeah, he tweaked his knee. Yeah. Once he came back, uh he wasn't the same. He had a couple of he had a couple ones that were pretty good. He had the the Field of Dreams game was obviously uh you know, a great outing for him, but he had a bunch of uh other games. I can't remember if that's before the knee injury or after.
1: Actually, I think that was before the knee injury. I think the knee injury was uh Either late August, early September, somewhere in there.
0: That's entirely possible. I'd have to look and see what his game log is. I have, I I didn't do that, but uh, you know, crochet, uh, the hard the uh, hard hit contact. You know, the hard hit hard hit percentage and uh, barrel percentage for him was not low. As was you know, after Kopek came back from his injury, also not low. They were getting they were getting hit pretty good. So you're telling me that those guys, you know, if you slide Kopech into Rodan's spot, uh, Rodan, who just went and threw 130 innings for you with a two ERA would, had he made it through the entire season would have been uh top two or three in Cy Young voting this year. And, just came off of TJ, pitched what, like, uh, what, three innings last year or something like that? Comes back first season after TJ, first full season, um, and is, is doing that. And so you're telling me that Kopech is going to come in and replace that and everything's just going to continue to go on the up and up? I mean, I'm just personally, I'm not buying it. Now, as to the Rodon non-qualifying offer, um, I'm with both of you that it's a financial thing because the year after TJ, if you get 130 innings out of that guy coming back after TJ, that, that should have been expected. That should have been, you know what? We know that we're only going to get 120, 130 innings out of this guy because he hasn't thrown 100-plus innings in years now because he's had injuries. Now he's finally cleaned up, and everything's working. Everything physiologically is working. All of his body motions are working. They've taught him to use his legs, so he drives better with his pitching, and he's not using his upper body only for pitches. So the question is, We've seen him pitch. Do you really think that it's not a, a financial commitment issue here? I mean, I don't
1: understand how you could think that. To me, well, I mean, you're talking about a qualifying offer that it, it's creeping up on twenty million dollars for a guy who's given you a hundred and twenty plus innings once in his career. Now, actually, I shouldn't say that. He's I'm, he's had a couple of three seasons times. where he might have, yeah. Yeah, but it's been years
0: since, you know, before this year, oh, it had been quite a few. In
1: all of those times before this, he was pitching through pain and, and through injury, you know, before he went and got the, the shoulder cleaned up, you know, multiple times. But we finally see the guy who, can, you know, he's supposed to be, and we're just going to throw nearly $20 million at him. Uh, I, I don't, I, I just don't see it. And then, you know, the thing is, is as the roster stands right now, The Sox are fifth in the MLB in payroll. They are not, they are, they don't have a ton of of space, uh, you know, uh, and we've got multiple holes to fill multiple holes to fill. So, you know, I I really don't know if we're, if we're going to be looking at, you know, trades to fill some of these holes, which I, I would have think you're going to have to, but, uh, you know, throwing eighteen million dollars at Carlos Rodan when you only have in the neighborhood of what, like thirty-five million or so before the—is uh, that what was that the number that we came up? Uh, with? It was
0: uh, roughly uh, forty if they picked up Cesar Hernandez, which they did not oh, do.
1: They did not. So yeah, what, what was he owed? Six million. Six. Yep. So no,
0: no buyout. Six, just six million flat okay, would so have been his the seller. Just yep. are
1: in a neighborhood of forty-five, forty-six million. Or the competitive balance tax, so we want to throw nearly
0: assumed because we don't know what the CBA is going to come back at, but we well, assume that the luxury tax will be two hundred and ten or two hundred and eleven million, whatever they set it at this uh, for this year.
1: I think it's I think it's two twelve for this year, but either way, um, you know, you're not going to throw nearly half. You know, let's just say uh, uh, over a third. Of well what you're, what 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 is left of your reaching that first threshold anyway at one guy at one pitcher who like we said did hasn't, it hasn't hasn't eclipsed more than 130 innings in this past season so
0: well uh we have three pitchers in Craig Kimbrel Lance Lynn and Dallas Keuchel that are all making roughly that amount or, you know, really stinking close to it. Uh, You just extended. Now, if we're talking about health concerns here, we have uh, three pitchers that are all over the age of 30, one of whom pitched 20 more innings than Carlos Rodon this year, throws four different kinds of fastballs, and you just gave him a two-year, thirty-eight, con- uh, two-year, thirty-eight million-dollar contract extension, and he only threw twenty more innings than Rodon did. And that's that's your workhorse guy. Then you've got Keuchel, who's uh, what is he like? He's going to be thirty-four at the start of next year, ish. Yeah. Um, he's and he's making eighteen million. And then you've got. Uh, Craig Crimble, Dirty Craig, who's also making, you know, eighteen million. Um, so I guess at that point that you have to say, okay, well, we can't keep on paying all these guys eighteen million dollars. My point is, though, is that for Rodon for the qualifying offer to make sure that he doesn't go anywhere else, you pay him eighteen million dollars is only one year. So that's a that's a positive. But uh you know the salary constraints are real um I know that uh I don't think he's here right now, but uh white sox premium k you know is fairly confident the white sox are going to spend extra money where's A it gonna big, come big from
2: plans.
0: yeah, yeah so
1: and i understand you you're saying that if you all have, you offer you know Carlos. That, that qualifying offer, and there are other pitchers on the roster that are are getting nearly the same amount of money that that qualifying qualifying offer was worth. Uh, you know, in, in that sense, maybe it makes sense. But uh, you know, my only concern with that is, is again, does he he takes it, and now you're you're left with this, you're left with with many holes, and not a lot of money to fill them. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was that uh, do we think that somebody else scoops up Carlos Rodon for that money, for the same kind of money? Obviously, I, th- I feel like now he's a free agent. Somebody's going to offer him something. Now, do you think Carlos Rodon would have accepted that qualifying offer for one season, or do you take a chance on offering that money – Thinking that he's going to test the free agent market, see if he can get himself more money, and then the White Sox get the compensation attached to it once he does get signed somewhere else. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I personally think that he probably would have taken the qualifying order or uh, offer um, just because it's a lot of stinking money. $18.4 million is a lot of money no matter who you are. Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, I. I guess I can't really say that because the, uh, you know, as the overlord of uh, Twitch, Jeff Bezos, um, <laughs> a, you know, 18.4 is not really necessarily a lot to him. It's like a 18th of a Very second cool. or something, but, you know, realistically for any pro baseball player, other than uh, possibly a rod, you know, 18.4 is a lot of money. And uh, I pretty sure he, Probably would have taken it um, because I don't see even, you know, like we were talking earlier this year and I, I guess that his, uh, you know, what he was going to get was going to be around like three thirty six something like that. $18 million for next year alone is half of that, you right. know? Okay. So if he pitches well next year, he, you know, he accepts the qualifying offer makes the 18 million. Pitches well, makes it through the entire season, comes out on the other side. Say even if say if he even only has like a three point five ERA after a complete season, and he has a few blow up games, whatever, okay, he's still gonna make twenty million dollars a year. On the flip side of of that, if he makes it through an entire season with a three and a half ERA, which is almost double what he just did this year. You know, you're still looking at twenty million dollars a year. I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kluber got like what twelve million from the Yankees last year, and he was a walking corpse. You know, <laughs> the guy had—it's like Frankenstein. He has all of his limbs sewed back onto his body, and he still got twelve million dollars when they had absolutely zero idea of what they were going to get out of him. Rodon, if he has a three and a half a, he's getting twenty plus million dollars a year next year. So I think he would have accepted it. I guess is what I'd say. But right. uh, you know, I I would not be surprised if uh, you know I've heard multiple places that since the White Sox did not offer him the qualifying offer that he's gone. I've heard it from multiple places. Uh, Dallas Keuchel uh more or less talk like he was gone and not going to be back next year um some guy i don't even i don't know it's i think it was on twitter some guy rode on an airplane with uh larusa and uh more or less said that uh I saw that on
2: facebook
0: Yeah it's apparently he said that Rodon's gone um the uh,
1: I'm sure Tony Larusa is, is talking to passengers on an airplane about the White he, Sox plans He had a long list of things on that
0: yeah, I mean it could be I'm, complete garbage, but I mean
1: just I mean I'm just, gonna I'm gonna throw know. a flag on that play, dude. Like, come on. I mean Tony La Russa, even if he was you know a couple of cocktails into this flight,
0: I thought the I same thing. But I mean I'm just
1: I don't I'm, see him uh, divulging information. That's to, fair. uh Yeah, to I'm not citing it as fact. The South Side. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm
0: clearly not citing it as fact. But you know, like I've I've heard from multiple places that if he did not get the qualifying offer, that they were letting him walk. I mean, I personally would not be surprised if they came back with a two year 20 million offer for him and got him back for ten that I wouldn't be surprised by, you know, or three years twenty four million, you know hey, Carlos, you know, your health is still a concern for us, but we really love your family, and uh, we consider you part of our family and uh you know, so we're gonna we're gonna give you this chance at stability, and give you this offer of three years for twenty four million dollars, and uh, you know, we'd really we'd really like to have you back, you know, if you if you'd be willing to accept something like that, uh, you know, we didn't want to just give you the one year qualifying offer, you know, we wanted to give you some stability, so you knew where your family was gonna be for a few years,
1: given the uh, the old Jose Abreu treatment, you know. You know you can, you can live out your life here in the South side and uh, we'll make you a team ambassador when you're done, <laughs> when you're ready to come back and be exactly part of the
0: organization just like Jokem Noah, you know, you'll be a team ambassador. All is all is good. You know, I mean, I could, per- you know, I could see that, that, uh, that conversation happening, you know, just, uh, judging by how I've seen the White Sox operate in the past. It would not surprise me. Um, Xavier, where are you at on that? Is is that what you think? Is Do you think he's gone or do you think he's coming back?
2: Mm. I'm going to say he's gone. I, I think they're going to look elsewhere for pitching a, that something. They're going to have to find someone, but I think he might be gone. Unless, they're, unless they, they didn't sign him. Cause they might have had another deal in place for more years but uh not getting 18 million i don't see him coming for anything less
1: and let's not forget who his agent
2: is and that's the other thing i, mean, I saw that and i saw someone else recently sign with him and i was like Oof, is yeah, it was tough."
0: It, uh, it was uh semian wasn't it
1: marcus semian yeah, yeah. I think, as yeah, soon as he hit free agency, decided to go with the Boris agency. Uh, imagine that, you know, guys up for uh, you know MVP. And, yeah, uh, I mean everybody and,
0: demonizes know. the guy, but no, his first not. clients, his he, job, he does his he does job. His job
1: well. Listen, yep. if I was a if I was a ball player, and uh, I had a near. Or even you know not just near, but a shot at being an MVP in a contract year. I think I might uh, hire Mr. Boris as my agent as well. Yeah,
0: if you just you know hit forty-five home runs and uh, you know almost led a team to uh, to the playoffs, yeah, that sounds about right. And he played a he played a nice second base as well. Took one for the team. Played second base, so Bichette could stay at shortstop, and uh, yeah.
1: Mm. yeah 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 and uh you know i don't see him leaving where he's at right now either they seem to love him they they yeah. have done nothing but they've done nothing but talk about bringing him back uh i don't i don't imagine that he won't test the market but i do believe that uh they're gonna throw a lot of money up here at him up north there so yeah
0: i don't see him leaving either um i'd say uh the uh who was it um Trying to think, there was a Athletic Post today, which was the uh, top twenty-five free agents in uh, you know around this year. And uh, Seager was number one, and I think Correa was number two, and then I think uh, Semyon was number three, if I remember correctly. Um, Seager was one, huh? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was actually surprised. I was thinking it was going to be Correa, but um, but yeah, Seager, uh, due to his ability to hit the fastball, I think is what the, uh, you know, what the, the gist of it was on the, the first, uh, paragraph or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, any, any White Sox fans that had, uh, Seager, you know, coming to the White Sox on a discount deal, um, which I did see in this uh-huh. uh, in the chat, uh, on the chat here, uh, Maybe it was last week, but it might have been two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Um, it was two yeah, weeks ago. Yes. I wasn't here
1: last week, and I saw that one myself. Seager not, gonna happen.
0: not coming at a discount. Um, there was no shot of that happening uh, either. Um, also, uh, Chris Taylor given the qualifying offer by the Dodgers, I believe. So he ain't leaving because he's not, not signing for $18.4 million to play with the Dodgers again. I mean, I'm almost yeah. positive, unless somebody's – You know willing to give him ridiculous money which wasn't going to happen here despite what uh you know some people were thinking uh i did not see him leaving the dodgers and uh with the qualifying offer i'm pretty sure that's not happening
1: i mean you know he's probably the best utility player in the game not probably he is he's the best utility player in the game and for a a guy to be considered a utility player as good as he is to get 18.4 million dollars in any one single season good luck he ain't going anywhere yeah he ain't going anywhere
0: I don't think so either um so uh White Sox uh other White Sox news um we had uh Evan Marshall um Cesar Hernandez uh Jimmy Cordero and Billy Hamilton I believe uh Jace Fry too Uh,
1: Jace Fry I believe as well
0: also uh well, I know that at least the four that I said, I don't know about Jace Fry because I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, all have elected free agency and they will dip their toes in the pools of free agency to see what uh, see if there's anything that's going to bite out there. Um, I personally would not be surprised uh, to see Cordero and uh, Marshall re-sign um, with a minor league deal uh, just because – you know Evan Marshall injured, uh, Jimmy Cordero rehabbing from injury. Um, you know,
1: yeah, I don't think anybody else is going to offer them any more than what the Sox can offer them right now. So agreed on that.
0: Yeah, I just, I just don't see it. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, as far as the uh, the minor leaguers go, um, the White Sox re-signed Tyler Johnson to a minor league deal already. Uh, earlier this week, uh, closer for the uh, Knights Nick Turley, uh, the guy who got into that uh, that big brawl with an umpire earlier this year, um, he elected free agency. As did uh, everybody's favorite pitcher Mike Wright Jr. Uh, he declared free agency. As did uh, everybody's other favorite uh, Alex McRae, uh, also free agency um you guys got anything on any of that stuff
1: nope (laughs) not not really bye have a nice day like you know i don't want to be rude i don't want to sound uh completely insensitive but uh i mean you know mike wright is like 63 or something i don't know he's getting up there he's he's not a spring chicken
0: you know what, though, he did pitch really, really well at Charlotte this year. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, you know, everybody I don't disliked him, but and called him Mike Wrong and all sorts of other stuff. I thought he did a fairly decent job, and you know, when he came up here, he was his job was to eat innings, and for the most part, he did do that. So, I don't understand why you'd be mad at the dude. Or
1: no, I'm not mad at him. I just, uh, I you know, I I feel like there are. Some fairly inexpensive uh, options available out there, and uh, oh, yeah. you know I, I think there are other ways to uh, fill holes in the in the bullpen. And you know, if anything, let him go ahead and test free agency. And if he doesn't score anywhere else, bring him back on another minor league contract.
0: I forgot some uh, a, a huge, huge name for the free agency pool. Uh, Larry Garcia also elected free agency. Um, you know, not that he was under contract, so it really didn't matter. But he is now a free agent. Um, we've had this conversation before. Is he coming back?
2: Uh, I'm going to call him Lingering Larry. Uh, I think <laughs> I think he's going to be stuck out there for a little bit. And then after a while the white texter is just going to be like you know what nothing's they they're, they're going to do nothing for a while it's like at least to us, it's going to seem like they're not trying to bring in anyone and then like a month or s- two months in the free agency they're going to like eh he's our guy we're just going to bring him back
0: everybody oh, I don't loves Laury. we'll we'll just we'll bring him back
1: i don't know LaRusso is going to be beating adram hard man he he might sign him next week you
0: know? <laughs> I did I did hear something uh, not that it's you know anything but you know how uh, in Moneyball Billy Bean Bonjour. had to take away uh, Carlos Pena from Art Howe so he would play his guy <laughs> maybe Rick Han doesn't resign him on on purpose because he knows that if he's here Tony will play him every single day and not let him get any rest.
1: Yeah, you know the difference between uh, Larry Garcia and Carlos Pena? Carlos Pena was a rookie who uh, had shot at, you know, Rookie of the Year in, uh All-Star and when he was traded. <laughs> Larry Garcia, well, you know, he is Larry Legend, but uh, I digress. <laughs>
0: yeah, I... <laughs> I you know I mean the guy did do some decent stuff this year and his contribution is you know is definitely noticed you know like you cannot deny that he did some really good things for the White Sox this year however it's still leaky and you know other than his uh, couple of hot streaks he's still leaky And he's still, I mean, realistically, he is still a utility player, despite what, uh, you know, TLR will have you believe.
1: hes he's just an everyday utility player, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, whatever that means. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I would not be upset uh, with him walking. Um, But, you know, if they re-signed him, it wouldn't be, for me, it wouldn't be the end of the world. For me personally,
1: no, it wouldn't. But you know, like you said, and like we've all been saying, uh, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But he it, to see him every day, because you know we've got to rest four guys a night. I, I just I don't know how much more of that I can take.
0: I hear you, man. <laughs> Bozy says it's the Brent Lillibridge syndrome. Yeah.
1: The Lilliputian.
0: Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, if, uh, Rick, ha- Rick Hahn lets him walk specifically for that reason, I don't blame him. He's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, you can't allow Tony to have cause he's going to play every single day. And, you know, uh, you know, to say we got to let our, you know, we got to let our, uh, our guys rest, not the pitchers. They're going to pitch a lot. But the hitters, the hitters, they need to get at least two, yeah. you know one two days off a week.
1: The pitchers are going to pitch four innings a lot.
0: Yeah. I whatever man. <laughs> uh.
1: We're gonna we're gonna extend we're absolutely going to extend that bullpen to its its stretching point all season long. But yeah, everybody else take a break. Yeah. Put your Feet up. Relax.
0: Yeah. It was. Uh, it was. You know. <laughs> I had I was having a conversation with somebody. I don't remember who it was, but uh, the conversation was about uh, somebody said something about, uh, well, at least we don't have to see Matt Foster again. And I was like, Matt Foster? I was like, you do remember that in the first week of the season that his manager left him on the mound to die to give up eight runs in one inning and All of a sudden, Matt Foster, you know, can't be, uh, you know, uh, mentally that guy just had to be absolutely defeated after that first outing. You know,
1: he was absolutely taxed.
0: Yeah. Not only did he throw too many pitches, so physically taxed, but then mentally taxed because he, you know, after he throws a pitch, he turns around and looks and there's nobody warming up in the bullpen. He's still out there, and he's just giving up five runs. And, oh, cool, now there's somebody getting up, you know, only going to be, you know, like a, another, like, five, six minutes until he's ready. So, you know, I got, like, another two, three batters up here until then. Yeah, that was, uh, oof. You know, when we talked and then, about and – then,
1: And then we get an apology from our, our, our so-called manager who says – I'm I'm going basically I learned from that mistake. I'm not going to make that mistake again. In more or less words. You know. And uh there was no no sign of of any learning happening there. None whatsoever. We're just going to keep apologizing for making the same mistake over and again. Insanity. Absolute insanity. Again, this is not the uh, beat up on Tony show. We've yeah, done Well, yeah, no, that. I,
0: yeah, I don't want to get into that, but I mean, we're talking about a guy who's you know, managing in a sixth decade or whatever, uh, that should have been a uh, one of those things that should have never happened. But, uh, you know, that conversation that we had about, uh, you know, what happens if at the end of the year we look back and these three stupid decisions he's made in the first week come back to affect us for our home field advantage, we're really going to be, you know, we're going to be upset at that point and we're going to say, well, now look at this. Well, you know what? it didn't cost them the division because the division was garbo but you know it did end up costing them home field advantage you know more more than likely anyway at, le- at least uh what they finished one game behind uh Houston in the home field advantage and uh you know just that one right there just that one awful uh, you know, go into a inning with what a five five run lead, and then end up losing that game because you left your pitcher out there to die and didn't have anybody warming up after you know what three four runs scoring. Yeah, I'm. You can give uh, me all the excuses you want and say, oh well, you know, I won't make that mistake again. You know, we shouldn't have made it in the first place. You've been managing since the seventies, dude.
1: And that's the thing, though. It it wasn't just that one time, and you're right, it should not have happened that one time, but it wasn't just that one time. Even after taking the, the brunt of the responsibility squarely on his shoulders, at least in a media, you know, appearance in a press conference after a game, you know, you're going to address the media and say, you know what, that one's on me. That one's on me. I left them out there to die. It's on me. Well, how many more times did you do that throughout the season? And not only did you leave these guys out there, you brought you stood guys up in the bullpen. They threw like three warm-up pitches. They weren't even pitching off the rubber. They were still three, four feet in front of the rubber or behind the rubber, loosening that arm up, and you're bringing them into the game. Absolutely ridiculous. But again, I'm not going to go down this road. I'm going to, going to bite my tongue. I'm, I've said what I have to say.
0: Yeah. Shit. All right. Let's. All right. <laughs> Rein it in, guys. Rein it in, Xavier. Quiet. <laughs> Excuse me, Xavier quiet um so uh tonight we are talking about infielders would you gentlemen like to move on to that right now
1: absolutely
0: all right so i figured we'd go around the horn what's
1: that before my attitude gets any worse
0: (laughs) you know that's one of those that's one of those conversations about uh about those ridiculous things that's one of those things that can get out of control And I fully understand that. And as the uh, John McLaughlin of the uh, McLaughlin McLaughlin group, I'll say, wrong, next issue. So uh, let's go ahead and start with 3B. Uh, Third base. Yeah. uh, The majority uh, player this season, obviously, uh, because he felt that he needed for the team due to uh, injuries to Aloy and Luis Robert and uh, all the other players, felt that he needed to uh, be a tough guy this year, if that's what uh, you want to call it slash uh, how he wants to look at it. Uh Yoan the third base uh, war, what is it good for? Uh, it tells us that Yohan Mancata is the third best third baseman in the major leagues this year behind uh, Jose Ramirez and Rafael Devers in Boston. Yohan uh, Mancata with a 4.5 F-4. Um, how do you feel about the state of Yohan Moncada, Xavier?
2: Um, I'm team... Yon Mankata all the way. I don't know if I talked about it last week. I think I did just a little bit on how I was totally against all these negative comments against him. Like, I know he struggled. And my theory is, for those that miss, was I think if he had a few more home runs and a few more RBIs, people would uh, think of him as a much better player, even though he already is that much better player. And he's a huge improvement in what they've had over the last 10, 15, 20 years.
0: <laughs> I'd say that that is an understatement. Uh, the closest thing that the White Sox have had to him uh, in ages is what, Joe Creedy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you uh, He wasn't you know, even back. Yeah, no, he didn't even have, uh, you know, uh a war total that high. If I remember correctly, I think the highest he did was like three and a half or something. Uh, um, you
1: know, Joe Creedy could have been somebody if he could have kept his back together, but yeah. that thing was falling to pieces of all the time. So, yeah,
0: no, yeah, no, no, no hating on him. He was solid third baseman, no. you know, and then obviously Robin Ventura yep. as well. Um, so earlier yep. today, um, I did, ha- you know, we talked about this earlier today. For uh, anybody that is in chat or listening to the podcast, if you have not heard the uh, the breakdown on Yoan Mankata on uh, Sox Machines podcast, uh, they did a player review of Yohan uh, Mankata, and uh, I thought they did a really good job on looking at some of the numbers um, that uh, he put up this year. And uh, pointed out a lot of things which I have also seen and that we have mentioned on here numerous times. But they did uh, mention um, something else that uh, I had not looked at and I found it quite interesting, which was that left-handed his numbers against the four-seam fastball. Did not hit a home run on a four-seam fastball all year. And uh, his power numbers were really low this year. I mean, we we saw that. Uh, he only hit, what, 14 home runs? Um, and we all saw that his slugging numbers were down. But uh, And we also noticed, and we mentioned on here uh, numerous times, that just watching him get blown away by a fastball, you know, all season long. Uh, turns out that after we have talked about this through the entire year, that at the end of the year, that the numbers came back bad that he did badly against fastballs, which, you know, should really surprise nobody. uh, But I hadn't looked at the numbers, and they are ugly. Um, That's one thing, you know, when you go back to 2019 and you look at his power numbers, and we talked about him being more aggressive in 2019 and uh, last year COVID. So I'll give him a pass on that. Um, but then this year, uh, he's supposedly healthy and, uh, he looked like 2018 Mankata with a better, uh, I'd say with a slightly better approach at the plate. Uh, he did strike out, you know, uh, something like, uh, like 40 times less this year or 50 times less than he did in 2018. So, I mean, that's significant, uh, upgrade on that particular stat but you know compared to 2019 which you know while you might not expect a a 315 average um and uh you know like a 875 900 ops or whatever it was that he had that year you know while you might not expect that uh you would not expect what happened this year um you know, I it's one of those things we've talked about. We want more power out of him. Uh, do you think we see that next yeah. year?
1: I, I certainly hope so. Uh, you know, the uh, the hot corner is just one of those places where it's almost expected these days. It's not almost expected. It is expected, you know. Uh, baseball for many years now is has gone to that shift where, you know, your corner outfielders are supposed to be able to hit a little bit. And your corner infielders are supposed to be able to hit a little bit, and and you know you're supposed to be able to hit with with some power out of those positions. 14 dingers uh, in a full season just isn't going to do it. And again, you know he did he played a, through some you know through some injuries. He uh, he had the COVID last year. You know maybe he spent too much time hanging out in uh, those you know Indiana bars that we uh, we heard about last year. but uh you know i don't know uh i definitely would like to see some more out of him i think uh he would like to see more out of himself and i can only hope that uh you know that's high on his uh priority list in the offseason is to uh get that you know straightened out he did draw some walks you know uh wasn't terrible like you said had had a better approach uh, this season, but, you know, I'd like to see him hit the ball harder. My, just, you know, my two cents. Xavier?
2: Uh, I was pulling up, so I was talking about who we've had in the past, and I was look. I knew I had a tweet where a couple years ago I looked up uh, all the players that the White Sox had between Creedy and then the end of the 2018 season when they were going to go and maybe bring in my Mat- Machado and I was like, "How can you guys not want the Sox to go after a name like that just because of who they've had there?" So I, I look. Here's the list. Uh, this is pretty much a full list: Frazier, Bonifacio, Saladino, Holt, Garcia, Simeon, Eppinger, Gillespie, Hudson, Olmedo, Lopez, Eucalys, Lillardbridge, Morale, Nix, Viciedo. Dehan, Biscal, and Beckham. Uh that's the list from Greedy to Mankata.
1: Yowzers. A little Martian reference here in uh good old uh White Sox daily live stream. Thanks sure for that.
0: I hated that signing at the time. Oh, I just like to let that Lord. be known. <laughs>
1: I don't think you were alone. I'm I'm gonna go real far out on this limb and think you were not alone in that one.
0: I can't imagine.
1: Yeah, a lot of us. I I had some high hopes for the Todd Father. He wasn't exactly awful, but he was not the same guy he was over in the NL.
2: Yeah, nope. So uh, uh, yeah. I went to I went to a game. Uh, I think Evan Uglors' first game in the White Sox uniform, Yuck. and. It was against the Rangers, and it was my, my mom, my younger brother, myself, and this my brother's friend, and she is the niece of Tom Ricketts. So we took her to a Sox game. They won that game. It was like 20 to like 2. It was a White Sox winner, and Uclos hit like two home runs. It was a huge – it was like one of the biggest uh, – most like the scored biggest game I've ever of his seen. career.
1: <laughs> well,
2: at least yeah. for the White Sox. And it was anyway. funny, just oh
1: yeah, outside of a Red Sox uniform. It's
2: funny, just to be like, yeah, this is how it's done on the on the South Side. And that's when the Cubs were like pretty bad at the time, and the White Sox obviously were in like the, their limbo years, but still better than the Cubs during those years.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. hey, Truthsayer, how you doing? Good to see you. Uh, Yo Yo will show more power next season. Hey. Your lips to God's ears, my friend. I think we will still think Johan's best years are ahead of him. Let's hope. Uh, Mark Tien had a dog that used Twitter. I was unaware of that. Um, I did not know that.
1: Mark Tien's dog. That's what. That's what. Was that the handle? I. (laughs) I don't have chat right now. Again, imagine that. The dog's
0: name was Espy. Oh boy. Cecil Espy? Probably not Cecil Espy. Uh, Rangers uh, legend. Cecil Espy. Espy
1: After after the award? Uh, The Espy award?
0: I don't think so, but, you know. Uh, Let's see. Uh, So the – and I don't even need to tell you this, but who do you think is the second most games at third base for the Chicago White Sox this year? I mean, it should be a no-brainer.
1: Uh, Larry Garcia.
0: Correct. 11 games. Uh, we've, we've <laughs> talked about him. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a surprise. I mean, you know, we, we know, uh, you know, that guy uh, at third base, surprisingly he didn't actually play that bad from what I remember of him being at third base. Uh, he's not a, you know, not your normal guy that you would want to have at a third base, but you know, as a utility guy, you know, or everyday, uh, everyday utility player, whatever that means. Oh yeah. He plays every position every day. Cause he is an everyday ball player. Um, third most games for the White Sox at third base, one, Jake Berger, uh, with eight games, Burger train. yeah, which, you know, great story. Um, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with him and, uh, you know, when we saw him at third base, he looked okay at the major league yeah, he level. He wasn't terrible. Yeah, I think he He's hit terrible. what he hit what like 250 or something like that uh, ish, 250-260. I don't remember exactly. I'd have to look up his numbers, yeah, but sounds I'm, about right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like 250-260. He he did fine. You know, he hit that uh that that uh, nice dinger uh to left field. Um, finally. It took him a little while, but he got yeah, there. Yeah, it took him a little bit, but you know, it's like one of those things, you know, it uh, you know, that's one of those uh things, you know, some guys just take a little while to get the first one out of the way, like Frank Thomas, you know? So ergo, uh, Jake Berger equals uh Frank Thomas. So
2: yeah. Why oh, I was at that one. Oh yeah? Nice. Uh two
0: sixty three, three thirty three OBP, four seventy four slug, eight oh seven OPS, one eighteen OPS plus. So uh in his forty two pay you know, forty two plate appearances, uh you know, four walks, fifteen strikeouts, put up a you know an okay average. You know, for a guy that just came up from Triple A, hadn't played baseball in years, uh, was playing in the Muffler League in uh, St. Louis, you know, during the lockout last year, and uh, this year he's taking swings at uh, guaranteed rate and uh, doing some things. And uh, yeah, absolutely, really happy for the guy. And yo
1: go back to second base.
0: Yeah, you know he played. Uh, you know he <laughs> put up some uh, put up some decent numbers and played uh, a couple of different things for the White Sox, and it was uh, it was good. Uh, Jake Lamb is your number four, was six games. I knew
1: I knew it was going to be Jay Glam.
0: Good old Jay Glam. Now here's where it gets kind of weird. Uh, Romy Gonzalez played third base four times. Danny Mendick also four times. Andrew Vaughn twice. And Jose Abreu at third base as well. Uh, I think that that, if I remember correctly, it was an inning where Abreu or uh, Mancada got... uh, I can't remember if he got hit by a pitch. I think he got hit by a pitch. And then he moved to third base and then Vaughn (laughs) went to first base. And then I think that they put uh, somebody in uh, left field for Vaughn, if I remember correctly. And I think that that only lasted for one inning. Okay. But if I remember right. correctly, that's where that uh, Jose Abreu third base uh, tick comes from. Um,
1: yeah, True Sayer says, uh, never mind that Yo-Yo sucked at second. Sorry, uh, I forgot to use my sarcasm font again. Uh,
0: yeah, he was not good at second. Um I don't know whether yeah, it's... Uh, he
1: didn't hit, he didn't field, he didn't do anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether it was... He
1: was also a rookie, but, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure whether it was mental anguish from uh, his struggles at the plate, you know, or if it was mental anguish from struggling at second base that transferred to his hitting. I mean, it could be either or, or it could be neither. I don't know. But, um, yeah, his, uh, his time at second base was uh, less than... Uh, Desirable results, um, yeah. But I also heard that uh, you can move Yo-Yo to right field. Uh, you could also move him to center field, and he will be a hundred percent fine. Um, sure. Yeah, you can put him anywhere. I
1: guess we don't have that. We don't have another guy that likes to play center field.
0: Yeah. Ex- expl- okay. So, you know, since we're since we're on that subject of uh, making fun of uh, dopes. Um. Yeah. So oh,
1: the chat the chat uh, gets funny sometimes.
0: Okay, so you've got Johan Mankata and you got Tim Anderson. And suggestions from people when uh talking about right field and before it's center field, before Robert was up, uh the the thing that everybody always wanted to do with Mankata and Tim Anderson was they wanted to sign somebody better. For shortstop and second base, but then they wanted to take those two guys, and everybody just automatically assumed that you could just plug them into the outfield and everything would be fine. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> like, you hear those crickets chirping?
0: Yeah, no, I do. And it, you know, it's <laughs> nothing, you know, I don't expect you to be like, well you know that makes sense no we we all know that it's it's ridiculous um besides the fact that the team hasn't had a right fielder that's actually been half a you know half, half a right worth half of a actual right fielder uh in you know since uh i don't know since two thousand five more or less um yeah um <laughs> agree since a one anyway.
1: world series MVP, mister
0: Mr. Jermaine Dye. J-D-D. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, uh you know, Avi wasn't yeah. terrible, terrible. Um, but uh, you know, Mazar was. Eaton was. I mean, I don't even want to Ryan Cordell. I mean, we could just sit here and go through all this like the that list that you just came up with third base. Jay Glam. I'm pretty sure the right field list would be way uglier and much longer than the one yeah, that you just rattled go down off the third. <laughs>
1: We only have about uh, 50 minutes left in the show here. Yeah. we're going to use um, up 45 of them on that list. So,
0: <laughs> so uh, as far as uh, third base, uh, grade for third base, I'm going to go with a, uh, a B+. Um, oh, wow, you stole my grade. Because I you. think that, uh, my, you know, obviously the power was lacking, but – Uh, Yohan Mankata still ends up coming in at four and a half war and still ends up being the third best third baseman in the league uh, without those power stats. Now I would like to see those power stats next year. And I would like to see, you know, some less strikeouts, but other than that solid defense. And, you know, I mean, he put up some, some decent numbers offensively. It just, it ended up being too many singles and not enough yeah, extra base hits, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, B, B plus. I, I'm, I'm good with that.
1: Yeah. If he can find that left-handed stroke again, you know, uh, I think, uh, I think he'll be just fine.
2: Xavier. I was also in the same uh, grade. I was thinking a, a really low, a minus or high B plus. Another thing we haven't mentioned that I thought was, uh, worth bringing up was I think it it was career highs in both um, walk percentage and strikeout percentage, like so? Both huge improvements of his game. Which you know, it sucks he didn't hit a bu- bunch of home runs and drive in guys. But if he found a way to improve elsewhere, I'll take that. And hopefully, he brings that and those other things next year.
0: Yeah, let's hope for a little bit of improvement. Um, you know, and that's all you can ask. I mean, he's coming into his year twenty-seven season should be the uh you know beginning of his prime quote unquote. Um all right, so moving along to uh shortstop, obviously your number one player at shortstop this year was Tim Anderson. Um now oddly enough on baseball reference it's not Larry. What's that? <laughs> it, oh, I, oh, it I is not gonna, Larry gonna yeah, oddly enough, on uh baseball reference, Johan Yohan Mankata, um drops like a half uh half a war on baseball reference. But uh Tim Anderson on baseball reference is a four point six. I think on uh fan graphs he's like a four point four point eight or something like that. I can't I can't remember. But uh you are looking at another year of improvement for Tim Anderson. Um again just like everybody else in the lineup uh you are looking at uh less power this year than uh 2 years ago less power than uh almost less power than last year if i remember correctly i don't i I'd, I'd have to compare the two years um but i want to say that his uh let's take a look here right quick yeah um yeah, 60 uh, 60 points less uh, slugging percentage and uh, he did have seven more home runs this year than he did last year which you know kudos to him 17 home runs this year um, but uh, I thought that uh, he made some some pretty good strides this year uh, especially defensively I thought he did a lot a lot better job this year defensively and uh, managed to keep his offensive numbers. You know, at least, uh, if not in lockstep to last year and the year before, uh, at least was, you know, it's something that's comparable. Uh, and uh, ended up at the All-Star game, you know, besides the point that he didn't get a an nip bat, and he should have been there anyway. Uh, and uh, that gave him the, the fuel for the uh, the Field of Dreams game to walk off the, uh, the home run.
1: And what a moment. Probably yeah. the number one moment of the season for me as a White Sox fan. Yep. Uh, You know, we can sit here and talk about making the playoffs for only, uh, you know, for the second season in a row. First time in the history of the team for that to happen. Crazy when you think about, you know, the the tenure of the White Sox in Major League Baseball. But, uh, you know, I got to say, if there's one single most awesome moment, that's got to be it for me. The, uh, The walk off in grand fashion. And well, it wasn't necessarily a grand slam, but it was uh, it was a grand moment. Yeah, for sure. And, uh,
0: Hugest like huge moment. I mean, other than the World Series this year, you know, if you're talking about eyes on a game nationally, that was, that was yeah. the game, and he put the exclamation point on it and sent the Yankees packing, and it was <laughs> huge, and it was a it's lot not of fun. Just-
1: it's not just the fact that he walked it off either. It's the fact that, you know, you watch the White Sox, what, what looked like was going to be a, a fairly handy win going into the eighth inning. And, you know, the White Sox give up a couple of runs and then Aaron Judge hits a bomb to, uh you know, it, it just took, it basically took the sail, took the wind out of the sails. And uh you know, I happened to be racing that weekend uh I was in a travel trailer, actually sitting outside a travel trailer. I just set up camp for uh for the race that weekend and that that Thursday evening watching that game was uh, difficult to say the least we were uh we were having some signal issues and whatnot. We got the game turned on just in time to watch the White sox lose that lead and uh you know you felt like at least for me i didn't i didn't get a chance to see the whole game but you know turning that game on and seeing where it was at that point and i felt like myself ah the Sox are gonna win this game the first ever inaugural field of dreams game and it's gonna be pretty awesome and then you know either that feeling of well here we go again we're gonna we're gonna get to a big moment and absolutely poop to bed
0: yeah, it's like getting punched in the gut. It's brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then Timmy comes through uh, the Elation at, uh, at at the racetrack that weekend. Uh, we were on the very end of of the paddock that night, and there were probably about uh, fifty other race teams there, with at least four people on each team. And I think every last one of them heard me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I if was I-, I was screaming. If I had fireworks that night they were all getting lit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a huge moment. So. Huge moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you think, Xavier?
2: Um excuse me for like grade wise or just in general thoughts?
0: Just general thoughts. You got anything on uh, on TA? Uh,
2: um you mentioned the defense twenty six um airs in twenty 20- Nineteen was it? Uh, I think so. And then this past season, well, it was it was ten, which they pretty much same amount of innings there.
0: Yeah, you had uh, that's 26. a huge drop
2: off for a guy. Yeah, twenty six
0: and nineteen, and then ten this year.
2: Yep, just was a huge worry to some people playing shortstop, and that's a huge improvement for me. Obviously, we see year after year. The hitting seems to be there and wanting to get on base. And a lot of times when he went, the White Sox went, and they need a guy like that to spark the team.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is that uh, a bunch of those errors did end up coming towards the last, uh, you know, month of the season, month and a half of the season, and a couple of them were f- fairly big uh, gaffes, if you will. Um, which was unfortunate, but yeah, the, the strides that he made, um, this year defensively compared to where he was before, uh, definitely a step in the right direction. And I was, uh, pretty happy with it. Um, one, you know, one, uh, one metric to point out, which is, uh, pretty nice stat to, uh, see a, a fairly drastic, uh, increase in is that, uh, he had a 42.5% hard hit rate this year, which compared to last year in 2020 in the shortened season, he was at 36%. Uh, his second highest of his career was in 2019, which was the the coming out party, if you will, for... Uh, tim anderson's uh batting average you know his average title and uh just going out there and smacking the ball around he was at 40.3 so you saw a a two percent increase from that year um so he's hitting the ball hard and uh you know 17 home runs nothing to scoff at you know i mean I would like to see a 25 out of him at some point, but at the same time, I'm also okay with him keeping where he's at and uh, you know somewhere in the uh, the high teens if he's going to continue to keep that batting average up and keep on getting on base. And um, this year, uh, second highest walk total in his career had 22 walks this year, you know compared to the 119 strikeouts, the ratio is still you know one to five ish. And you'd like to see that, you know, climb a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'm uh, pretty, pretty decent numbers from him in this year. And uh, you can't complain about a guy that's, you know, almost five war.
1: Oh, no, you really can't. You Agreed. know what? 100%. I would give him, uh, I would give him another A. Uh, you know, he, he, let's be honest. He, he could be, he could be another one of those guys that's, uh, and maybe not in the, the MVP conversation, but uh, as far as uh, being uh, on the White Sox, he could be—you know—the White Sox MVP the last couple of years. You know, we we heard we heard uh, guys like Chuck Garfine and and Ozzie, and you know some of these some of the other commentators throughout the season. Uh, you know, Jason was really big on it about how when Tim Anderson's not in the lineup that spark seems to be missing and uh it really did seem to hold true. Uh he was the, the driving force of that team so uh I you know he he's he's the guy. He's the He guy. might
2: not be the league's MVP, but he's our MVP. Uh, there you go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I yeah, the of course, you know, we'll, we'll get to uh first base later. Um there's a gentleman over there that uh you know
1: yeah he's got something to say about he's that got something to say about that. it
0: um because he was the league mvp last year um True. but uh yeah i'm 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 uh i'm an a-minus guy for uh for timmy um i think that uh you know with those defensive <clears throat> improvements and uh continued uh exercising of that bat um <clears throat> i think that uh He's fantastic, and uh, I'm glad he's not going anywhere.
1: Um, God, do you remember all the people that, taught, that, that thought he should go somewhere? Yeah. Just a couple of years ago?
0: Yeah, there was the – And uh, he
1: comes out and wins a batting title, and say people say, ah, I was lucky. He yeah. won't repeat that. He yep. won't, Well, you know what? He hasn't won a batting title since that. You're, That's you're true. Right. He, he hasn't repeated.
0: repeated the batting title. That's true.
1: But, uh, you know, and we always – we talk about how batting average is not necessarily – a, uh, a great barometer of a hitter's prowess these days but you know uh three seasons in a row Timmy is over the uh the 300 mark and uh you know might not be the best barometer but that's a it's a heck of a feat regardless yeah i mean usually, usually if you can get that over that, over that 300 mark the OPS is going to follow with it as well usually
0: i'll take it you know i mean uh, overall his uh offensive output did drop as far as as far as his o p s plus went and uh he went from a one twenty eight and a one forty in nineteen and twenty uh down to a one eighteen so uh there was some you know some declining there in the uh the output of the offense but overall his numbers you know they're just uh a little bit well, less a uh, little bit less power but
1: those that that the drop in those numbers is one he did miss some time And two, you know, the team itself, uh, kind of overall had a drop offensively. You know, the power, like we said, the power numbers weren't there. Uh, his power numbers were a little bit down compared to seasons prior. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, to be 18 points better than league average, again, nothing to be mad about. Yeah.
0: I mean, you can also, uh, bring up that, uh, the year that he did win his win his batting title uh, was a the juice ball year.
1: This is also correct.
0: So you know the uh, the fact that uh, the power is is down a little bit uh, from from then. Uh, you know, but last year, you know, when it was not a juice ball year, uh, and he had higher power numbers than he did the year before. So you know, who knows. Could be that uh, maybe some of that, uh, some of those uh, little nagging injuries did uh, sap some of the power from him. And, uh, you know, maybe next year we see a a slight bump in that. I hope so. But, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, So second most games at shortstop this year.
1: Leary Garcia. Yeah, it's Mendick.
0: Yeah. Mendick. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, it's Mendick. And, uh, This year, uh, Danny Mendick came up. um, Did not have those hot streaks that he had uh, last year. He had a couple of hot streaks where he did uh, did put up some decent numbers that kept him around for for a pretty long time last year. Uh, You know, even in a sixty game season, he still had a couple of hot streaks like that. Uh, This year, did not really have those hot streaks. Uh, He was pretty consistent. Ends up finishing the year with a uh, 589 OPS. Um, no power to speak of. Hit a couple of doubles and a couple of, you know, five five doubles and a couple of home runs. Um, drove in 20. Uh, he did have 18 walks to 42 strikeouts, which is really nice. <laughs> I mean, almost, uh, you know, 50% uh, walk to strikeouts is uh, pretty nice. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't, uh, with Romy coming up and uh, with some of the other guys making moves down in the uh, minors, um, I don't know. I don't know how long uh, we can think that uh, Mendick is going to really uh, keep on having roster time here. You know, Uh, you can't uh, hit 220 and expect to be around for too long. What do you think, Xavier?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. You, you're talking about the Mendoza line. You, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna stick around for long.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know. Kids, huh? I, I mean, I think like the, I your, like the you guy. Got for us? Yeah, you got anything,
2: on Amendic? I can't. Well, oh, Danny was asking me now. Oh, yeah. You know, not much of what was already said. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to separate like fandom from like r- realism and knowing the team and being uh, like as a fan, and then also as a person, like you like these guys and they're nice people and like they they haven't given us a reason to dislike them obviously from their outside of what they do on the field. So it's like Mendick, we saw what he did in the prior season and he, he performed. And he seemed like a fun guy to be around. He had, wasn't he the one? Uh, wasn't it Dancing with Mendic or those dance videos?
0: Uh the uh, club. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, club dub. W- dub. uh What was it? Uh, yeah, but that was the Bears. No, think,
2: yeah, that was the was Bears. It, but dancing, like right. dancing
0: played, for dubs or something like Maybe that. Dancing like for
2: dubs. Or so he was like a fun player to to root for, and I said last year didn't work out. So uh, we'll see how much they give them a chance again or whatnot, but there's plenty. There's, as we saw this year, people are ready to step up. And if those guys can get a chance for a longer term, who knows if those short term successes can be seen on a grander scale.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of, kind of thinking that, uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of at bats for him, but Uh, you know, if he, uh, if he shows up better than, uh, some of these other guys that you're thinking might, uh, take some of those utility innings, um, you know, he does have some flexibility. He can play the outfield a little bit and, uh, you know, he plays most infield positions. You wouldn't put him at first base, but you know, he can play third, short and second. Um, so I, you know, I, we'll, we'll see. Um the negative .2 war is uh not going to exactly uh you know, endear him to uh the front office for a utility role. Besides the fact that, you know, I I'm pretty certain that Larry's not coming back. Um I still think that uh there might be somebody else that uh pushes him for that utility role. Um you know, a little bit more offensive uh upside is is my guess. Um th- third most games at shortstop
1: Larry Legend.
0: One and the same. I don't even need to talk about him. We've talked about him enough. Yeah. Uh the only other moving on. Yeah, exactly. The two other guys to play uh once at uh shortstop, Romy Gonzalez and Cesar Hernandez. Uh Romy uh end up being a negative 0.1 war player. Um I think that he got the short end of the stick there, uh, as far as uh you know, as war total goes. Um I think with uh, some more at bats that he might have uh done some stuff, but uh I don't see any reason to uh need to grade him. Uh doesn't necessarily fit so much with uh you know he doesn't have enough innings to even qualify for a grade. In my in my opinion. Be that. Um all right, so moving along to Yohan Mankata's former position of 2B. Uh,
2: armor or uh, future? <laughs>
0: uh, it's better nah. not be future. <laughs> uh, I see what you
1: did there. Yeah, be- better <laughs> not <so> be.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I hope not. Yeah, so tied at 53 games apiece, you have uh, the big acquisition of the trade deadline for the offense. Cesar Hernandez and the big trade deadline loss as far as the team goes. Not necessarily, you know, obviously not this season because uh, he wasn't going to do anything for you the rest of the season anyway, but uh, Nicky two strikes. Nick Madrigal also with 53 games, so they tied at uh, 53 games. Now, in that 53 games... 1.2 1.2 war for Nick Madrigal, negative 0.8 for Cesar Hernandez. Woof. Yeah, so you have a full two war advantage for Nick Madrigal over Cesar Hernandez in 53 games. That
1: don't say that too loud because you're gonna get the you're gonna get the Nick Madrigal drumbeater's uh, margin. Hey,
0: you know what? Um, I'm not uh, one of those. Uh, you know, Nick Madrigal uh, truthers or uh, stands, if you will. Um, I think that he's a talented baseball player. Um, I think that he has a future in baseball. I think he will continue to hit. Um, he's not going to be – you know, I think, I think that the Cubs uh, got a good player, and between him and Nico Horner, up the middle, that team's going to be very solid in the infield for years to come. Now, and I and I felt that his skill set with the White Sox was needed and was very complementary to what this team already had. Now, that said, two years in a row, season-ending injuries. I mean, technically, he still came back in, uh, you know, 2020. But, you know, for the most part... It was, it was a long injury, and then he ended up having surgery on it after the year last year in 2020, in between 2020 and 2021. Um, so, you know, uh, I guess uh, on Nick Madrigal, um, I will give him an A for this season because two war in, in 53 games. Um, he looked more comfortable this year than he did last year. Uh he hit a couple home runs. Um, yeah, he might have got to that ten.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think he's getting to ten this year, <laughs> but you know he would have hit five or six have. probably. You know, he might have. I'm I'm saying he might have. I'm going to eh, give the kid the benefit of the all doubt. All right, all right, all right, fine. But, uh, you know,
0: in Wrigley with the training with you know with the training wheels home runs, he's going to hit ten. I mean, that's pretty much a no doubter that he's going to hit ten with those with that stupid basket Put hanging that off the basket.
1: Wall.
0: Yeah, and well, uh, you know. Boost he's also going to get some extra base hits because he's going to hit it and it's going to go into the Ivy out there and he's going to get doubles. Cause somebody's going to lose the baseball and going, Ooh, I can't find Folding it. Hands yeah? Up. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, incomplete season. Um, but to me, I think magical was nay. I thought he did, uh, a fantastic job. And I think that the, the thing that he did this year was, uh, he added momentum to an already rolling vehicle, you know. If something was going on, he got on base. He kept the inning moving. If there was nobody on base and he's leading off, he started the motion. You know, he did. He did all the little things uh, as far as a hitter goes that you want out of a guy with a skill set such as his. But that said. You know, you look around the league and you see the other second baseman. You see Semien hitting 45 home runs. You know, you see uh, Altuve hitting, you know, 35, 40 home runs, whatever the heck that that guy hit. Um, You know, that's not his skill set. However, I think that, uh, you know, for what I expect out of, uh, a guy like Nick Madrigal in 53 games, I think that he, I think that he did that.
1: Well, you know, like you said, he was a 1.2 WAR uh, in those 53 games. You know, if that were to hold true, and he were to be still a member of the White Sox, and let's say he played, you know, another 100 games, we can kind of round that 53 down to a third. And so, if you multiply that by three, you're looking at, you know. Again, close to a, a almost to a four four, yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, I would have taken it, but uh, you know, there were other moves that uh, the team thought they needed to make, and uh, unfortunately, uh, making two streaks was part of that uh, that plan to make those moves. So, you know, it's neither here nor there now at this point.
0: Yep, doesn't matter. Uh, Xavier, what do you think?
2: I'm. I'm. Think you guys are right on the grades. Um, and the injuries. Injuries seem to be what we're worrying about with a, a range of players. And as, Ian said, he's not a, a stand. But I, I actually really like Nick Madrigal. Uh, as a guy who's about his height, I like to side with my fellow shorter, shorter greats. And, uh, I, I think I'm bias in this setting just because uh, I was able to speak with uh, two of his coaches a little bit in the past Pat Bailey and then um, even though he didn't work with him a ton um, what's his name I'm blanking on the other guy's name but i um, just hearing about what they thought about him and the kind of player he is uh, it, it made me hurt to see him go but that move was a move that needed to be made and second base is now something that the White Sox have to figure out because.
1: Glaring there's, hole.
2: There's. I don't know what they're trying to. What they have, really. They don't have much. So it's got. They got to step it up with someone.
0: Yep. Uh, organizationally, uh, second base, um, until I see differently. Um, including the Cesar Hernandez move, uh, guys that were actually on the team, uh, after, uh, after the trade deadline and, uh, for what they did, um, Cesar Hernandez is getting an F minus. Um, he did absolutely nothing that he was brought here to do, uh, his glove. He made a couple of nice plays. Um, but, and he hit a couple of really errors. he hit two home runs at, uh, you know, against the Cubs. Hooray way to go. Um, that was piling on on a game that was already way out of hand. Um, right. you know, with the second home run out of those and, you know, basically beating up on a tomato can that had no players left on it anymore. At that point, um, did not hit, uh, had, like you had mentioned, uh, had a couple of really big errors uh, in key spots. Um, yeah, just n- not nearly enough. You know, it was uh, what he did with Cleveland to get him that trade value. It was like he went in the exact direction, the opposite way, back to the way he was in May and April before uh, he had that huge June and early July to bring his stats up where he just went on an you absolute know, tear.
2: You know, the White Sox have had guys they brought in who have performed and done well. Uh, it, it just seems like such a White Sox thing. The White Sox go bring in uh, him and uh, Craig Kimbrell, and they, they they played like the way uh, Alonzo and Edwin played. Uh, they, they had oh. enough value the previous seasons and they looked like maybe they could contribute a little bit nope we're getting the end of the career garbage from you guys
1: yeah i just threw up on my mouth a little bit
0: <laughs> yeah the uh the cesar hernandez move uh did not work out in fact i would say it was absolutely disastrous as we lost connor pilkington as well and uh he had just started to pitch well and had just seemed to figure out his command issues and had t- added a couple of ticks on his fastball. He's left-handed. And uh, we traded him for a uh, proverbial, uh, proverbial bag of balls because uh, Cesar Hernandez was hot garbage, uh, basura, um, pretty much oh, one of the worst uh, deadline acquisitions this team has ever made. Absolutely brutal. So
2: with the two grades, it might re- realistically it balances out. It's lo- see <laughs> it, It's I don't even think it's a C. Really, I think if it's a, a zero type of F, uh, it's a, it's in the D range. It, it's not if even. It's, it's it not might even, even there. Be
0: an F. Yeah, it's still it's an, an F, F. F because the the issue was is so that. Bad. Not only did they give up somebody who looks like he could now be promising, and he's probably going to be pitching for Cleveland either next year or the year after that, starting against the White Sox, befuddling us because he is a left-handed control pitcher with lots of movement. So he is going to absolutely screw the White Sox. And uh, I'm not thrilled about that. Not only did you give up that, but then you got that crap, a negative .8 war, guy that couldn't hit, Uh, didn't play Gold Glove second base, which, you know, I mean, he won the the Gold Glove against uh, Danny Mendick. Um, (laughs) So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know,
1: you talk about Pilk, you know, just going back to Pilkington really, really quickly here, uh, if you remember, you know, he wasn't drafted in the first round. Second rounder. But he was considered a steal at where we got him. He yeah, was I saw him that on wasn't the was supposed to be yeah. there. He wasn't supposed to be there. The White Sox felt like they had gotten something of a of a gift at that point. And uh you traded him for chewed bubblegum. Pretty much. He was like he's like he's not even a uh, a pack of baseball cards at this point. He is the he's the stale piece of gum that comes with it. It just crumbles in your mouth,
0: yeah, that and you know like the thing that uh another thing that annoys me is that uh that was the year that we that you and I were both at the uh we went to King's for that draft party, and I called Connor Pilkington, I said that that's Indeed. who they should draft, they drafted him and uh. All that, all that potential that I was watching when I was sitting there looking through draft stuff, and I saw him still on the board for the White Sox, and they grabbed him, and I was like, awesome. He's still there. That's who they should pick. They pick him. He finally starts to show some of that promise, and then they deal him for, you know, poop. Uh, ah. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's uh, – I'm trying to think if uh, – I think Sean, uh, Hiela, uh, I think it's, I'm trying to remember how it's pronounced. It's, uh, H-J-E-L-L-E. Um, trying to remember if he was available. He might have been gone by the time we picked. I'm trying to yeah. think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cause he was a, he was a third, uh, um,
1: it was a compensation? He was like, he I- was
0: no, he was picked uh the uh pick before Steel Walker. So that means Pilkington was the third round right. uh draft pick. Yeah, he was the third rounder. Uh Steel Walker was the second rounder. He gets traded for uh Nomar Mazzara. Is that right? That's right, right? Yeah, it was uh yeah, yeah, yep. it was Mazzara for Steel Walker, so that's your second rounder gone. Um, he had a nice season for uh, the Rangers uh, in the minor league baseball. He, granted, he wasn't great, but he had a decent year. Um, showed a little uptick in his power. And uh, then your third rounder is Pilk. And uh, I was actually hoping, this is why I was going about the uh, Kentucky pitcher uh he how H- uh, however Hiela. you pronounce his name um i was hoping that they would grab him in the second round but then he ended up getting picked the pick before steel walker i i guess maybe i just have a uh a soft soft spot for uh seven foot tall starting pitchers um <laughs> but uh yeah so and he actually he was he great Randy this year johnson mold yeah um yeah so i don't know uh, so basically, you've got Madrigal, Steelwalker, and Connor Pilkington are your top three draft picks in two thousand eighteen. Not one of them is with the team anymore; all traded. So, yay! That's, yeah, that's uh, that's something. Um, that- no? It's something. Uh, hey, <laughs> third most, uh, third most games at second base.
1: Leary Garcia. Yes,
0: Leary Garcia. Uh, <laughs> second most is uh, Danny Mendick, uh, again, uh, with 28. Uh, men, uh, Garcia had 36. Um, and then you've got uh, at one apiece, you've got uh, Vaughn and Gonzalez, Romy Gonzalez. Um,
1: wow, that Andrew Vaughn guy seems to get around the field a lot too. Maybe we should make him our utility player, huh? <sighs>
2: you know, you like, missed it last week. But I claim that just the whole White Sox team is a full team of utility players. Might as well, right? Playing them everywhere.
0: Might as well, yeah.
2: And, you know, I, I was
0: I had this conversation with somebody. It's somebody said something. Oh, uh, somebody asked if uh, if Joelke Cespedes could play second base on Twitter, and huh? I was like, Yeah, sure, why not. Why not? I mean, Vaughn's playing in the outfield. You're putting him at second. You put him at third. You know, you're taking uh, Layuri, playing playing him everywhere. Exactly. Abreu's at third. You know, Grandal's DH, first baseman, catcher. Why not? You know, just go ahead and throw him wherever. It doesn't matter what position he plays. Just go ahead and put him out there. I mean, everybody can play anywhere. They're all baseball players, right? I mean, he's a baseball player. Yeah, why not? (laughs) So aggravating. Um... (laughs) Alright, so moving along to the last stop uh of the uh outer infield. Uh I think it was skip catcher for this week just just cuz um so it yep. leaves us for something to do uh in the future. Don't want to eat up everything in uh, one thing. Um but uh moving along to first base. Uh obviously MVP um our guy uh Let's uh, go ahead and throw this up in chat. I'm going to throw up the uh, MVPto, uh emote in chat. Yay! Um, you know.
1: I must have lost chat again because I don't see it.
0: Oh, really? Man. Yeah. Got to refresh. Um, refresh. Refresh, refresh. <laughs> True Sayer Morty says barrel. F minus, and then he gives a, a bunch of uh, crying emojis, and he says, definitely agree. The Sox couldn't use a left-handed starter, thankfully. Yeah, especially after letting Rodon, your uh, Cy Young uh, candidate who uh, just came off Tommy John and still was in Cy Young conversations, uh, you just let him walk without a qualifying offer. And your only other left-hander is Dallas Keuchel, who in the final two months of the season had like a five and a half and a 6.7 ERA for the last two months of the year. Um, But you couldn't use a left-handed pitcher. Um, We certainly needed to trade it for a garbage second baseman who is a career 230 hitter and uh when he came here actually was worse than that. Um <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so MVPto, uh obviously your number one first baseman, um leader um his his uh his stats this year were a little bit uh obvi- you know a little bit worse than uh, 2020, where he was MVP numbers, um, full 162. Uh, he tends to have uh, a little bit more slumps, which he didn't have in the 60 game season this year. Uh, his June uh, June swoon, I guess we could say, uh, he had his June swoon and um, went down from a uh, what was it like a one? I want to say he was a 180 WRC plus in May. And then he was a forty-three in June, so he lost a hundred and forty points on his WRC plus uh, between months. Um, so that right there, that month, destroyed his numbers for the season. Um,
1: yeah, he also had a tendency to, uh, you know, when he he had a tendency to disappear even after the swoon was, you know, quote unquote yep. over. Uh, he had a tendency to, uh, show up in games that were already well in hand and, uh, you know, pile on, which, uh, you know, this is one of those moments where if you look at the numbers and the stats, they don't really tell the whole story. And I know there's a lot of guys out there that are going to call us stat nerds, you know, stupid because, uh, you know, I watch the game. I watch it uh, with my eyes. Yeah. I watch the game with my eyes. But you know, uh in reality, uh it 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 kind of it showed this year with Jose. Uh it was one of those moments where you did have to watch the game to see that the numbers, the RBI numbers, the home run numbers, the power numbers didn't exactly match uh the guy that we got out there. Uh you know, well, Jose I mean still, statistically still a great speaking
0: player. his numbers are still there. He's, you know, another 3100 year, you know, end up with 117 RBIs. Um,
1: no, I'm not. I'm not trying to take anything away. Yeah, from him for no, that. I, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Because uh, you know, there it just seemed to, you know, I mean, you could almost call it. If the White Sox were winning by six or seven runs, Jose was going to hit a home run and a double and you know add four RBIs to that total.
2: It's you like know, so. the the running back that in football that gets those extra couple yardage or gets that late that late garbage touchdowns. touchdowns. Yep. Yeah. Garbage time. And you know. All right. He he had a couple games here or there, but uh, you're right. Numbers show the same, but compared to like just last season, it it was truly an MVP season. It seemed like every other day he was coming up and hitting those big hits, whether it was a home run or a, a couple RBI, double or single. There wasn't a ton of that, and I'm sure if I went back and we all checked, There's... it will show that he, yeah. he he didn't come in as much as the year before
1: early, in the, early, in, the early in the season he
2: did early
0: in the season he yeah. did after that june that stuff was uh not as much but so. if right. you look as an overall as the team um basically uh they they actually they talked about this um due to uh the Yoan Moncada player breakdown on the Sox Machine podcast that I listened to um they actually went through and uh talked about this is that um, in the losses basically everybody on the team just kind of completely disappeared and that's it's what we were talking about basically since June on on this on this stream slash podcast is that the entire team just completely disappeared for games on end and then they would all come back at the same time and they'd hit and score 15 nice. runs in one game. And then they wouldn't score, you know, they'd score two runs, win the next game, just luckily, you know, because the pitching so was good. It was
1: painfully obvious that when they were on, it they was. were on. And then it was like, you can just forget about that for two or three games. Yeah. You forget I mean, about I mean, any any type of offense for two or three games. Yeah. Which the other actually thing was.
2: Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you finished. You finished.
0: Uh, this actually. um something that I've seen on some of the groups, uh, you know, to talk about that. uh, And the fact that we've been talking about this since June of the entire team disappearing for a while is that I saw it in one of the groups, somebody bringing up that, uh, and I think it was an article, I forget on which site, but there's a site. uh, Somebody wrote an article um, about Rick Hans presser the other day where his statement was, we had six good months of the season followed by four bad days referencing the playoff appearance against Houston. And basically the gist of the article and of what we've been saying since June is that if he thinks that they had six good months of baseball and then just happened to have four stinkers at the end against the Astros, if that is the reality of how they are assessing this season and watching this offense, we have major issues in the front office. If that is, is if that's their evaluation of what happened, because we've been talking about this for months on end about how the team just disappears and it showed up in exactly the same as all season in the playoffs, where they played one good game, really good game, scored a ton of runs. So if you look on and the aggregate, the the four games, yeah, they averaged it like what? Like the exact
1: same team yeah, it was. Since they scored like five runs a game. Started, What's the problem?
0: Bro. But then you look at it and you see that they get you know shut out and they score one run and you know then they score you know a bunch of runs one game. Uh, anyway, continue on. Xavier
2: on uh, another thing with Abreu's numbers. Obviously we talked, uh, everyone mentioned his getting hit, hit by pitches a lot. Another, uh, career high in there, but, uh, career high in ground, ground into double plays. We saw a ton and it was the last year came in clutch. Uh, this time he, uh, killed clutch situations by a handful of those definitely came, uh, when the White Sox did not need those to happen.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the double play and was, epidemic. I if,
2: and I think that was a, a, yeah. a problem with a lot of players on this team, but Abreu obviously led the league there.
0: Yeah, well, I think Aloy probably led the league and in, uh, ground into double play percentage per at-bat. Uh, I would almost... I uh, You know what? In fact, now that I'm saying this, I am going to go and research this and find out. But I am 100% sure that Aloy is absolutely going to lead the league in GIDP GIDP. percentage. Yes. (laughs) There's no way that he can't lead the league in grounded to double plays. There's no way in percentage to his, you know, in ratio to his at-bats. There's no way. Um, So overall, uh, first base. Uh I will say B. Um probably B minus actually because uh the way I'm looking at it is that Abreu overall yes did still put up numbers. However, as we have mentioned, he's done some rally killing, he has uh done some absolute uh Houdini acts for a month at a time. And anybody that loses 140 points of WRC plus, uh, in between two different months, um, 140, 140 points of WRC plus in between May and June. Absolutely astounding. Uh, there's no way that you could get anything more, uh, than a B minus in that category. Uh, you know, in an overall ranking, in my opinion. Um, Still a leader, still a great guy to have around, still puts up numbers, um, still awesome player. However, um, you know, I still think that a a B minus above a C um, is where he's going to end up for me personally.
1: Yeah, I'm probably in the same boat. And, you know, again, maybe this was just a team epidemic that we can kind of hope is behind us, Uh, you know, you you wonder uh, where Frank Manikino's hat is in this ring. Uh, You know, there was a, uh, there was a team wide issue with, uh, you know, like we've been talking about just disappearing for games at a time.
0: We say that, but they were like fourth in offense in the major leagues.
1: The, well, despite yeah.
0: the despite the ground balls and the disappearing for times, they were still ranked fourth, I believe, in major league baseball in total offense. So I, I you know, like the fact that they have games at a time where they're disappearing. How much of that do you want to blame on Frank Menichino?
1: Oh, and I don't. I just think it's a team approach thing. Uh yeah, which I mean hurt. he should be the guy
0: who's perpetuating that, right?
1: Well, yeah, okay. I, I, but I just wonder if it's a it's – a, there seems to be a mental uh, miscue in there somewhere because how do you show up so strongly in, you know, a handful of games where you're putting up 10, 12, 15, 16 runs and then not do anything for three or four games after that? How do you not continue to ride that emotional high of of, of showing out like that? And, okay, I'll put part of it. On on Manikino, I'm gonna put part of it on the players. But I think when it comes to the mentality of a team, you have to kind of look at the leader and say, where's the disconnect? And you know, uh you you you're in the job, you're in the position of manager, and you have to manage Not only the game, but you have to manage all these different personalities and all these different types of players, and you have to keep them in that group. And again, I I don't want to, I don't know, I I, I think a lot of it rests on uh, a sleepy, uh, inanimate, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it 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 does uh, I mean let's let's be honest with you. The guy looks like he's half asleep. And you know, we said this about uh Ricky Reneria a bunch the last couple of seasons, but uh TLR just he I don't know. Where's his energy and why are the what you know if he brings some energy, then maybe the team feeds off of that. There there was just no energy. The 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 dugout didn't look the same this year as it did in the last two seasons you know, before that when these know, guys were jumping around playing having a good time. It just there was a different feel, different energy.
0: I don't know. You know, maybe, with maybe Hamilton totally. with Hamilton and uh and Goodwin in the dugout, uh with uh you know, I, I felt like there were times where there was that camaraderie. But, you know, to your point where you say the leader I'm going to look at the leader of the overall team, which is Larusa. The leader of hitters, which should be Frank Man- Manichino, and then your leader of the team, at least for uh, the Cuban guys and uh, you know, a bunch of the Dominican guys and whatever. I mean, everybody you know says Jose Abreu is like the dad. He is also a leader. And, I mean, player, between coach. those three guys, somebody has to do something to shake these guys out of their slumps here and say, knock it off. It's time to play baseball. Stop doing that, you know? Like, stop disappearing <laughs> for games at a time. I mean, there's got to be somebody that says, you know, smacks somebody up uh, upside the head and says, Hey, let's go. You know, I, the problem is (laughs) a Bray, you did the same thing. You know, I think that like you almost need like somebody like, uh, a Castellanos or somebody like a Correa, somebody who's not afraid to get vocal and in people's faces, you know, to get people rolling. And, uh, with, uh, you know, we, we talked about the, you know, the payroll crunch or the uh, perceived payroll crunch that when we look at it, we see it and we go, I've seen how the White Sox operate. I don't see them spending any money. But guys like that are those kind of guys that can really cement uh, a team and give a team you know, an identity, a, uh, a swagger of sorts. I know Tim Anderson does it to a point, but what has Tim Anderson won? He's won nothing. You know, I mean, I guess Nick Castellanos really hasn't won anything either, but uh, that guy's, you know, fiery. It's kind of like that thing, like they were looking to do with that Adam Eaton signing is get somebody who had won something that has like a little bit of fire. The misguided, stupid part of that signing was that it's Adam Eaton, and people don't like Adam Eaton, regardless of, you know, what anybody else in any chat's going to tell you. Oh, it doesn't matter. Everybody's fine with Eaton. He never did anything. You know, despite that, there's a reason why there's a sound clip off of CSN's postgame show of Ozzie Guillen saying, Eaton, nobody like you. And the fact that, you know, Todd Frazier wanted to punch him in the head repeatedly and doesn't want to have anything to do with him, And they almost got into a fist fight at first base. I mean, there are also allegations from Arizona saying that people didn't like Eaton. yet. You sign him because he's got that fire and he just won the world series. You want to get, you know, you want to get your, your guy in there. Uh, the problem is, is that he's a, a a perceived D bag by a lot of people. And, uh, and his body was breaking down so you know
1: yeah oh you know I got a question uh anybody whose uh, nickname is spanky
0: Spanky. hey Mike Lavalier, man come on now
1: uh, all right <laughs> uh
0: Sayer uh says in uh, in chat saying dropping peto down in the order might need to be considered next season and yeah I mean I agree that for results that might be, uh, at this point, might be warranted uh, just due to your uh propensity to ground into double plays and uh, just the fact that you're getting a little bit older and, you know, that stuff. But, you know, just like him playing at first base every single day, you know, and him not wearing an elbow pad after getting plunked 23, 24 times. Yeah, what's up know? with that? Yeah, well, something that's going to have to be addressed, you know. I I understand that he doesn't like it. Um I don't know. Maybe they even the if they The only question
1: uh, is, is is there an RBI producer in that lineup right now that's going to that's going to do what Jose Abreu was done basically since he's come into the league. And is that is that do we have a 100 RBI guy? I don't know. For, you know, 6 7 years.
0: I don't know. I mean, cuz uh you know, you, would you hope
1: that Luis Robert is going to be that guy he, or Aloy is yeah. going to be that guy, but neither one of them have really – I mean, they really haven't come completely into their own yet, and you hope that those guys are going to do it, but we haven't quite seen uh, what could be.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I could say, looking at the team, I would not be surprised if next year you had five, five ADRBI guys. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I mean, it sounds me. you insane. Don't have
1: have you don't have to have a hundred. You don't have to have hundred RBI guy. On exactly. If, if doing everybody's
0: 80. doing it, you know, I could see it out of Abreu. I could see it out of uh, Mancada. I could see it out of Aloy, I could see it out of Luis Roberts. So there's there's four, um, and Grandal. I, I yes, wouldn't be surprised if I'd see eighty out of him either. You know, I mean, granted, that's a that's a heck of a lot of runs, but um, you know, with the other guys sprinkled, I mean, I'm. I don't think you, you're, you you know, with leading off, and you're not going to see TA get, you know, 80 RBIs. Obviously, you probably see him get more like 40 or something like that, but uh, 50. But, you know, like there are guys, like everybody on this team, you know, you've got multiple four-war guys on this team, and that's what they've been trying to do is raise the floor of the entire team and raise the floor of – the farm system. And they've done all that. The thing that needs to be done now is that there needs to be, there needs to be guys that are filling the top. Right. At the ceiling. Right. And not, You're not, not coming without. it. Yeah. Not coming to just above their floors. We need guys that are going to go to their ceiling and be that guy, you know, a guy that's going to go out. And when it's important is going to get those hits in clutch situations in the playoffs, not just completely, you know, fade out. You know, you had Luis Robert showing that he might be that guy because he hit what like 400 in the in the playoffs. I mean, it's entirely possible that he's going to be that guy. I'm just absolutely making it's observations. Entirely
2: possible that
1: that Aloy could turn out to be that guy. Yeah, uh, it's you entirely hope. Possible that Andrew Andrew Vaughn, who was considered, you know, the best pure hitter to come out of his draft class, you know, obviously started out halfway decent and then he kind of tapered off for quite some time where you know things went down but you know he's young uh he's in the midst of his rookie season he was playing out of position all year long maybe we get the guy we thought we were drafting in the first round that is still the best pure hitter in that draft class uh you know all of this stuff is very possible but the question remains you know when do we see it and when does it all come together at the right time? And, it, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, a Nick Castellanos type of guy or, or Carlos Correa type of guy coming in and being that spark plug. Um, I would love nothing more than to see either one of those guys come to the south side. Correa, yeah. probably not going to happen. He's, he's probably going to Detroit. Bundle of money.
0: And he's probably yeah. going to Detroit to go hang out with his buddy A.J. Hinch.
1: Right, and we're going to see a lot of him. If yep. that's the case, and he's
0: gonna beat us like a drum for like so thirty games
1: here. <laughs> oh Lord, let's not let's not let's not put our you know the carpet over the horse. Uh, here, you but, know what uh, though?
0: I mean, it's been said for months now that Correa was gonna end up in Detroit after this season when he was done in Houston. Oh, I'm not he was talking go. about
1: him. I'm not talking about him not going to Detroit. What I'm saying is you know beating our drums. Hey man, you know. he is
0: he has always hit us well, and uh, he is just a uh, he's a nuisance, man. And uh, you know we we've talked we talked about this uh, coming into the season this year is that uh, we knew it wasn't going to be this year, but Detroit's going to become a problem, and uh, they're oh, going to they're going to be a a good team as is probably Kansas City. You know, it's going to be the uh, Indians are probably going to be. Uh, you know, garbage for a they're little gonna, bit of time. What's they're that
1: going to be bottom rollers for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and the twins, you know, I don't know. We'll see where they go. I mean, they were, f- I don't know how they were as bad as they were this year, but uh, they were terrible this year. Um, I, I think that they might slot in like somewhere around like a a, th- a third place, fourth place, Uh, you know, normal thing with the white Sox, Uh, Tigers taking up one and two and then Royals coming up in uh, two, three area, maybe in fourth spot, you know, uh, in the next couple of years. And uh, it's going to be that's going to be something like the, you know, like has been said for years now, the window of contention has opened and they need to uh, take advantage of that window opening. And, you know, we took advantage of it this year to take a weak division. Not we. I'm not on the White Sox. But the White Sox did enough to sleepwalk through the division uh, in the last couple of months. Uh, that's It's not going to be like that going forward. You know? No,
1: because let's be honest. If Detroit plays the way they did, from May on they're right there with the Sox at yep. the end of the year. Yep. They're right there at the Sox at the end of the year. The Sox and the in the in the and the Tigers pretty much played nearly the same type of baseball from the end of May. Yeah, I
0: think the White Sox ended up from that from that May period. I think the White Sox ended up uh I think they ended up being even but only because the Tigers were so incredibly bad in that first uh, month and a half half, that that's why it balanced out. Um, The White Sox still ended up being better and having better win percentages every month, I think, uh, over the Tigers. But, yes, I agree with you.
1: I'm just saying – I'm not saying that they would have finished with the same record. But they would have been.
0: It's going to be closer.
1: Nearly as competitive. Yeah, maybe. especially if
0: they go and they make a couple of uh, free agent signings this year, you know, and replace some of the trash cans that they have out in the field with with actual baseball players, uh, you know.
1: One of which likes to beat a trash can, but we won't. Go there.
0: yeah. So and uh, yeah, including the manager. Um, so, mm. uh, but you know, he tried to stop them. They just wouldn't <coughs> listen to him. Whoa. Is that you? Who dis? <laughs> anyway. All right. So, uh, first base, uh, you know, I think pretty much more or less going to see same, same thing next year. Going to be more Pito, uh, maybe a couple more games there for, uh, for Vaughn, uh, sheets, maybe a couple of games, uh, depending if he's still here, uh, or if Vaughn's still here. We have no idea what Rick Hahn has up his sleeves. um, either of his sleeves um he might have uh you know something up both sleeves and maybe there's uh, a bunch of uh wheeling and dealing
2: going on um we'll find out rather rather him being pulling it from his sleeves and from up his backside
1: yeah
0: wow yeah didn't see that coming uh well I mean that that comment about uh, six good months followed by four four bad days that's getting pulled out of his backside um,
1: yeah I, I'm I'm guessing that's uh that's towing the company line you know when when the, when it's all said and done
0: yeah well you know they said that uh, you know with Jerry bringing his boy in that he was going to uh, allow uh, a, a a bit of um you know that Tony was going to wield a bit of power in that uh room. Let's hope that he uh pushes the right buttons and gets uh gets the right players in here and that uh the White Sox do not um cheap out or you know like whatever however you want to put it, you know. Um let's hope that uh you know as they said the money will be spent. Um
1: what's being spent? Yeah,
2: I mean you know so are the players the players uh, are being spent.
0: Yeah. Um yeah I you know, don't know.
2: No, I love wheeling and dealing in the chaos of free agency, but this is a very crucial time for the White Sox. It is. And I I just hope they don't around because uh, the chances now to really just cement, get theirs in before everyone else comes pounding at the door.
0: Yeah. I mean, with it being the window, they were supposed to be, uh, you know, gelling as a team at this point and uh, winning as a team with a couple of fill-in guys that were going to make everything possible. Unfortunately, uh, you know, between injuries and, uh, now we've got the, uh, and then we had COVID last year. We've got injuries this year, next year, uh, we've got the CBA. So who knows what we're, you know, what this, what this baseball season is going to even look like. I mean, I've heard multiple different things, uh, you know, may start, uh, June starts, um, late April start. I've heard all sorts of different things. Um, you know, uh, there's a bunch of, uh, a bunch of guys, um, ac- according to, uh, what's his face on the airplane? Um, and Andrew Friedman out in LA uh, that, you know, it's almost a hundred percent certainty that there is going to be a work stoppage um, for how long and whether it will delay the season. We don't know, but you know, we do have these CBA negotiations coming up and we'll see what this season even looks like. You know, I mean, could that be the third season in a row that uh, the white Sox core is again, screwed out of, you know, having a proper season again you know i mean this you know covid injuries cba three years in a row and this was supposed to be the three first years of your uh you know of your window of contention and this is what uh the white Sox are dealing with and it's you know it is what it is and i you know you know there's not really anything you can do i mean if they keep on making the playoffs at least they are getting the seat at the table quote unquote but you know, at some point they need to, uh, you know, press and get past this stuff, uh, shove as the kids say, and uh, and and do the thing. You know.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, I, I really don't like even talking about the, the new CBA as of yet. It's really hard to prognosticate whether or not there's going to be a work stoppage, because if these guys can, you know, let's be honest with you, the only reason I would even think that there's going to be a work stoppage is because somebody's already out there saying. The Players Association is going to they're they're planning on pushing so hard that they know that whatever they're whatever they're peddling, the owners aren't gonna buy. So if that's the case, if if that's why Andrew Friedman and everybody else is saying that there's gonna be a stoppage, they know that there's a fight coming. We all know that there's some kind of fight coming because we know we've heard you know all the things over the last few years about a, uh, you know collusion and uh, you know uh, service time manipulation and, and and these things those are all big hot topics with this new thing. Uh, you know league minimum has become an issue. Uh, there's all kinds of of and it's it's all money related mostly.
0: Yep. But, always uh, is always is service well, yeah. time money that's the two things right there is right. that the well, owners time don't want to give away any of their
1: money. Service time is money. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a year when you get manipulated to service time, it's a year of, of contract negotiations down the drain for you. Um, yeah. I, so I don't want to, I don't want to really get too in depth. On yeah. That. It's already
0: 1120. So it's probably not a good idea.
1: <laughs> no, my, my only thought on it really is it's hard to say there's going to be a worst stoppage or not. Uh, I have to imagine that both sides are going to have to make some concessions. My biggest concern with this is that, you know, uh, the hot stove has been a simmering stove at best the last few years. It's something that we as fans look forward to every year. I imagine it's going to be uh, next to nothing. There, it, There's barely going to be a – There's
0: been a, some a, movement already. You know? Some. Yeah, I mean, uh, the I mean, Dodgers just about- signed uh, – uh, Andrew Haney, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I expect there to be a little bit, but you're not going to see any of those. You're, I don't believe you're going to see any big name, top 25 free agents come off the board for big dollar amounts, uh, fairly early. It's just, it's not going to happen. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but, uh, my hopes are not high Um, right, so uh,
0: call it for the week Uh, this is one of the longest uh, streams slash pods that we've done and uh, I think it's a good time to call it right now before we start rambling anymore Uh, Xavier, Danny you guys got any uh, any final words
2: go White Sox yep just always go White Sox (laughs)
0: All right, well, um, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, whitesoxdaily.com, uh, there is a Facebook fan page, uh, White Sox Daily Live. Thanks for coming uh, to the chat tonight, gentlemen, and uh, thanks for taking a listen if you are uh, checking out the podcast. Um, for those of you watching, the podcast will be available tomorrow morning. Um, should upload somewhere around 6 7 a.m um and uh thank you for taking a listen if you're on the podcast everybody that came to uh twitch twitch.tv backslash white socks daily uh for my co-host danny miller and xavier sanchez my name is ian Eskridge. thank you
1: and have a great night